0: to another episode of Purposeful Parenting. Today, I want to talk to you about favoritism. Now, you probably know very well the story of Joseph, you know, the coat of many colors. Well, did you ever think about the role that favoritism played and the damaging effects that occurred in his family? because of the favoritism his family showed towards Joseph and not to his brothers. So favorite, favoritism, then, is what I want to talk to you about today. But first, let's take a look at the story of Joseph. The story of Joseph is about a young boy who responded to difficult situations with a strong faith in the living God, His faith sustained him from the pit of slavery to the pinnacle of power. You see, Joseph's story was very remarkable. But when he was younger, his story, as we look at it, shows some things that can happen when favoritism is shown towards one child over the other. Jacob was Joseph's father, and he li- lived in the land of Canaan. Joseph was tending the flocks one day with his half-brothers. They were the sons of Bali and Zelfa, his father's wives, and he brought the father a bad report about his brothers. You see, Joseph started what we would call today tattletelling on his brothers Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because Joseph had been born to Jacob when Jacob was very old. Because he loved Jacob Joseph so much, he made this very ornate robe for Joseph. Now, it was not a robe to work in. This robe was fit for a king. And once again, not to be uh, worked in because it had long sleeves and it was a fairly long robe. And his brothers recognized the ornateness of this coat that Jacob had given to Joseph. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they began to really, really hate Joseph and would not speak one kind word to him. And to make matters worse, Joseph, knowing that he was the favorite, would do things like telling his brothers different dreams he had. And these weren't just dreams that didn't mean anything. Joseph, for instance, had a dream that he told his brothers that made them hate him even more. He said to them, Hey, listen, you've got to hear this dream that I've had. And he went on to say, We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. Well, his brothers were really upset, and they said to him, Do you think... You intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule over us? Do you think that? They hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said to them. Then he had another dream, and he went running up to him and said, Hey, guys, I had another dream. This time, the sun and the moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. When he told his father this, even his father was a little upset and rebuked Joseph about this one. And he says, what is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? Well, anyway, his father, Jacob, kept this up in front of his mind. His brothers were already jealous of him, and this dream was probably the last straw. His brothers had gone out to graze their father's flocks near Shechem. So Jacob told Joseph, As you know, your brothers are grazing the flocks near Shechem. Come, I'm going to send you to them. So Joseph replied politely, said, Very well, go and see if it is well with your brothers, his father said and with the flocks, and then I want you to come back and tell me how they are doing. So Joseph went off to the Valley of Hebron. When he got there, a man saw Joseph wandering around in the field, and he asked him what he was looking for. So Joseph told him that he was looking for his brothers. Can you tell me where they're grazing their flocks? Well, as it turned out, the father, t- the man told them that they had moved on from where they had been and went on to say that he heard them say, let's go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and did find them there near Dothan. The brothers could see Joseph coming in a distance. And before he got to them, they started plotting to kill him. One of them said, here comes that dreamer. And they were going on and on talking about him and his dreams. And they decided to let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what becomes of his dreams. Well, Reuben heard this and he tried to rescue joseph from their hands so he told them he said to his brothers listen let's not let's not take his life we don't want to shed any blood how about you just throw him in the cistern here in the wilderness but don't lay a hand on him you see reuben wanted to go back and rescue joseph after they had the other brothers had gone on. And Reuben planned on taking Joseph back to his father. So when Joseph came to his brothers, the other brothers stripped him of his robe, you know, that coat of many colors, that ornate robe that he was wearing to go out and greet them as they were working their flock. And they took him and threw him into the cistern. Well, when Reuben came along, it was empty, There, and plus there was no water in there. A caravan of Ishmaelites were coming from Gilead. Their camels were loaded with spices and balm and myrrh, and they were on their way to take them to Egypt. Well, you see, when Reuben came along, the brothers had yanked Joseph out of the cistern and sold him into slavery. So then when Reuben doubled back to try to rescue his brother Joseph, he wasn't there. They had already sold Joseph. Well, his brothers then said, we have sold him to the Ishmaelites. We did not lay our hands on him, but we're going to take this coat and we're going to put blood on it and take it and tell the father that a ferocious animal had eaten them up. So, so needless to say, when Reuben once again returned to, to the cistern and saw that Joseph was not there, he went into mourning. Because you see, he wanted to save Joseph and get him back to his brothers. So he went back to his brothers and said, the boy isn't there where can I turn now? And when they got Joseph's robe, they slaughtered a goat and ripped it and put the blood of the goat onto this coat. And they took the ornate robe back to the father and said, we found this. Examine it to see whether this is your son's robe. Now, of course, Joseph knew right off the bat I'm sorry, Jacob knew right off the bat that that coat belonged to Joseph. Jacob was in mourning for a long time. He did the usual mourning, putting on sackcloth, and he mourned his son for many, many days. No one was able to console him. You would recall the Mennonites sold Joseph into Egypt to Potiphar one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard. Now, just to summarize the rest of the story, Joseph prospered, but later was thrown into jail due to no fault of his own. His ability, though, to interpret dreams caused him to be released and placed in a high position in Pharaoh's court. A famine came. And because Joseph had interpreted the dream correctly, Egypt did not suffer from the famine. But Joseph's family did end up having to bow to him. They did not recognize Joseph when they went in to Egypt because of the famine in their area. Now, there's a lot more that goes on with this story but what I want to do is focus on the favoritism that Jacob showed towards Joseph. Now, favoritism doesn't mean that you don't love one of your all your other children. It means that you're going you're giving one child more attention or more material goods as, Joseph, as Jacob did than he did with his other sons. And it can have consequences for all your children throughout their lives. And it can affect the relationship of each child. It can affect the relationship of the entire family. And the favorite child may feel a sense of entitlement. And that rules that apply to his siblings does not apply to him. Just think about what Joseph did. Joseph wore this coat and he wore it with pride, but he showed that pride. He would go to his brothers and brag about what was being done in his dreams and how he was the one that they had to bow to. So now think about it. What are some of the signs? that a child is favored? Well, one of them might be that the favorite child gets away with a lot more than the other siblings do. And you might find yourself more relaxed around the favorite child, smiling more, laughing more. And sometimes the favorite child may be the favorite because one of the other children may be, pretty difficult to get along with. That's why you might feel more relaxed around the other. Now, what I'm saying here is not to say that children should not be treated differently. There's a certain amount of difference that has to take place based on, remember we talked about love languages and based on the way they learn the way they receive love. So there's going to be some differences. But the thing is, you don't single one child out to show or to deliver grandiose gifts for them. Say, for instance, if one child, you have birthday parties coming up and you're always going to make sure one child has this grand birthday party. And then another child, you might get a cake for the family and you sing happy birthday to them. Obviously, that is showing favoritism. But if you know that one child loves to snuggle up when you read, then that's that child's love language. But another child's love language might be hearing you tell them how well they worked to do the dishes. So there's so many different things, and I think you get the point. Don't go out of your way to show favoritism to one child over the other. And if one child is a little more difficult than, the, than another one, try to figure out why and work through that. But try to keep favoritism away. Also, you know that you favor one child over another. If you think about the choice of your words and the tone, your tone and choice of words may change based on the child that you're talking to. And it can really be different if one is your favorite. In fact, your choice of words can be different, not just to the child or to the children, but to outsiders. You find yourself saying different things about one child over another, and you do the same thing with friends and teachers, and they start to pick up on the fact that, oh, this must be your favorite child. And what you don't want to have happen is have that, come about in such a way that when the child's around, they hear people saying, oh, this is your favorite child. I know because of. Trust me, that may sound like a stretch, but it has happened, and I have seen it happen. Also, you can have uneven expectations. And interestingly, lower expectations are usually from the unfavored child and higher expectations from the favored child. You think that the favored child can do no wrong, that they're going to do all these great and wonderful things, and you lower those expectations for the child that's not favored. And for your favored child, you can get defensive when favoritism comes up. You know why? Because of guilt. Parents know that there should not be any favoritism, and guilt sets in when there is. Did you know that favoritism is a sin? James 2.9 tells us, But if you favor some people over others, you are committing a sin you are guilty of breaking the law. Now, James is dealing with favoritism from the standpoint of economic status, but the same principle applies within a family. James was looking at standing somewhere and you see a rich person come and they're all decked out in their suits and you greet him and you're all happy to see him. And then a poor person comes and you sort of look and stand back. So James once again is dealing with favoritism from the standpoint of economic status. But favoritism once again is a sin. And look at all the problems it caused for Joseph and his family. The principle that James lays out applies to all biases and judgment that is based on externals and infects our thinking. So remember when I talked about one child being more difficult to deal with than another for whatever reason, might be because they're a a strong personality, strong-willed child. It might be because of a physical problem that he or she may have. There could be a number of reasons. But favoritism should not be shown. God shows no favoritism. He loves us all the same. He came, he sent his son, not just for one or two people, not just for the rich. He sent his son to die for all of us. Chuck Swindoll states, make no mistake, favoritism has a damaging effect On the whole family, it may seem to work all right for a while. It may appear harmless. In fact, preference may even seem to benefit the child who, quote, needs it. But over time, it can sow seeds of unsolved conflict that will service and cause pain, much like it did in Joseph's family. So parents, remember, don't show favoritism. Work to root out favoritism and to remember to parent on purpose. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Purposeful Parenting. For more tips on parenting or if you would like to reach out, please visit me on HarrietRow.com. And follow me on Facebook, Harriet Rowe. That's Harriet with two T's. I look forward to grabbing a cup of tea or coffee with you next week. Feel free to invite a friend. Until then, this is Harriet Rowe reminding you to parent on purpose.